Welcome to the Life of Christ series 5. This is lesson 23. We are going to continue where we left off last time. Now we were on to the 8th Beatitude on page 35 in chapter 18. We now come to the final Beatitude, which has two parts to it. The first part is only found in Matthew's Gospel, where Jesus says again in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The second part, however, is found in both Matthew's Gospel and Luke's Gospel. I'll read first in Matthew's Gospel, where Jesus goes on to say in verses 11 and 12, Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Verse 12, he says, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So, you know, when you're being persecuted in this way, you're in good company. You're in the company of all the prophets that went before you. Amen? <laughs> okay. Uh, now, we have a similar reading in Luke's Gospel in Luke chapter 6, verses 22 and 23, where Jesus says, Blessed are you when men hate you. Now, you don't know these verses because we didn't do them uh, when we were doing Sermon on the Mount. We only did Matthew's Gospel. So these will be new to you. He says here again, Blessed are you when men hate you, and when they ex- exclude you, and revile you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Verse 23, he says, Rejoice in that day, and live for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. Now, I want you to notice something very significant there, and I will talk about all of this as we go through this, but I want you to notice that the more persecution you go down here, the greater your reward is in heaven. Amen? And you need to, you know, I think sometimes we need to know that because sometimes we're thinking, God, you know, what are you doing up there? You know, <laughs> you know we're going through all this stuff down here. Can't you help out a bit? And He is. He is doing so much, so much more than we can ever imagine. And, but we also need to understand that the problem that He has is that He has to deal with people. And because of that, and because of his long-suffering towards them, that's why he wants us to be mature. That's why he wants us to handle some of the things. This is nothing to do with sickness and disease, by the way. You know, people say, well, God's testing us that way. He never tests you with sickness and disease. You know, and you really need to... I, I know everybody brings up Job, and I don't want to do it right now, but there's a whole story behind that. The, it has to do with covenants. And, you know, we don't know what covenant Job had. We know that we are living under the new covenant now. And you know what the writer of Hebrews says, a much better covenant, amen, than the old covenant. So we've got a lot to work with and we can't keep looking at that and thinking, well, they had that problem, so we have that. You can't do that. Not when all of it has changed. Not when Jesus went to the cross. Not when he said it is finished. Amen, that it was all done. So we, today, whatever persecution we're going through is because people are causing problems. That's the only kind that will get through and cause you problems. All the rest, as we develop our faith, we are to overcome all of that. Amen? Amen. And that will come in time as well. So having seen this in its entirety, let's go back to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 10. Begin our study there. Again, Jesus begins it all by saying, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In his commentary on this verse, biblical scholar Leon Morris says that in the New Testament, persecution is mostly used of, uh, of inflicting suffering on people uh, who hold beliefs that the establishment, specifically the Jews and their system of religion, frowns on. And it is this kind of persecution of which Jesus speaks uh, here uh, when he says, persecuted for righteousness sake. I think it is significant that even this scholar was able to notice that these persecutions aren't sickness and disease. These persecutions are for doing the right thing. Amen? That people are coming up against you. And in fact, this religious system. Sadly, this applies to us even today, especially for those who believe that healing, prosperity, and so on have passed away. And so persecute anyone who dares to do what Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, verses 17 and 18. And that is, and these signs shall follow them that believe. And that's the only qualification that you believe. Amen? And sadly, where most fail. See, people, if you don't believe, it won't work. So all those people then say, well, we don't believe it works. Guess what? You just told us what your problem is. <laughs> Amen? Out of their own mouth, they tell us why it's not going to work for them. And, and he says, in my name, <clears throat> they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall, um, verse 18, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Amen. So we see here again, that the only qualification is, you need to believe. That's it. And so for anybody that comes and starts persecuting you on the, oh, well, we don't believe that's true for today, just say, yes, it won't work for you today. <laughs> if that's what you believe, because that was the one thing Jesus said. It'll only follow believers. It will, if you don't believe, it won't follow you. And not that, and they'll say, well, you show us something. Just say, no, that's not how it works. See, because sometimes people do that, and don't get caught in that trap either. I'm sorry, I'm preaching it, Anna. Anyway, you know, just because just they challenge you, just because they say, well, if you, say, if you think this is all for today, well, show us something. You know, say, you know what? Jesus had the same thing said to him, and he said, you wicked and perverse generation, always looking for signs. <laughs> not that you want to say that to him. But again, understand that those are the sort of people that ask that sort of question. And them challenging you, they want to see you fail. Are you all with me? Amen? And, you know, until you get, your pla until you get to a place where you can believe over people's unbelief, Jesus was able to do that, you know, to a great degree. Uh, don't let them push you into a corner and get you doing something you're not ready for and that you are not led by the Spirit to do. Amen? Amen. All right. As for prosperity, so that was to do with healing. As for prosperity, Jesus did warn us in Mark chapter 10, verses 29 and 30. He said, so Jesus answered and said, Surely I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. Where is all of that? Down here. Okay, for my sake and the gospels. Who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. So he didn't say in the sweet by and by. He is going to tell us that you'll receive reward in heaven. But this isn't that verse. This is another verse. And this verse tells us that it is to be now in this time. So again, when people come and say, well, I don't believe in that prosperity message. Well, you know, you won't enjoy any of it either. <laughs> okay? Just say, and you say, again, they might challenge you. And they might sort of say, well, how come you're not doing so well? Just say, we're getting there. 
At least we're believing, which means we're on the road to that. You will never get, don't say this to them, but okay, in your mind you're thinking you're never going to get there because of what you're believing. Amen. Amen. Alright, so he says, you who shall not receive a hundredfold. A hundredfold means a hundred times, not a hundred percent. That's just, you know a hundred percent is twofold. Do you know that? Do you understand? Yeah? So a hundred percent is you're making as much as you put in. Okay, you make 100% back on it. But this is not 100%, this is 100-fold. Which means you put a dollar in, you don't make another dollar, you make 100 bucks. That's good math, isn't it? Okay, alright? And, and he says, now, in this time, houses, brothers and sisters and mothers, and children and lands with persecution. Which means there's going to be people that are going to be upset about it. They're going to oppose you, alright? <clears throat> and mostly I've said here, Christians. Hello? Okay. And he says, in the age to come. So notice again, first of all, he says, you'll have a hundredfold now in this life, and in the age to come, eternal life. Which means, see, this now comes against the whole prince, you know, this whole thought that rich people don't go to heaven. He's saying, you're going to be rich down here, and you're going to make it to heaven. Hence, Hence the eternal life. Amen? Alright, so returning to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 10, biblical scholar William Hendrickson confirms that it is distinctly a persecution for righteousness' sake. And adds, it is because the men and women to whom reference is made wish to be and to live in harmony with God's holy will that they endure persecution and continue to hold out under it no matter what happens to them. That's pretty powerful. We get a glimpse of this in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11. Where it says, and they overcame him, that's Satan, because of the blood of the Lamb, that's what Jesus did, and because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even to death. That is incredible, man. I mean, these are people that just stood strong and said, no. We may not understand everything. And, you know, let me uh, clarify this a little bit as well. These are people that may not have, obviously didn't have the information they needed to know how to summon everything that is at their disposal. Do you understand? And the thing with them is, even though they did not know, they weren't willing to bow their knee. Can I just say this? The problem is never on God's side. It's always on our side. Do you understand? And for those people that realize that in some way, you know, they just go, you know what, regardless of that, we're still not going to bow our knee. I don't understand why you're not helping me, but I'm still not going to do this. I won't bow my knee to the devil. Amen. God really blesses that as well. Okay? All right. Hallelujah. Moving on. That's why the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 12, If we endure, we shall also reign with him. I'll stop there for a minute. Notice, if you endure, you get to reign. It's not without huge rewards. Amen? And he says, if we deny him, we will also, he will also deny us. Ugh. That is going to happen at the end when he says, I never knew you. Returning to Matthew chapter 5, Jesus goes on to elaborate on the persecution mentioned in verse 10 by saying in verse 11, Blessed are you when men shall revile you, literally verbally abuse and insult you and persecute you in both word and deed, and shall say all manner or a great variety of evil or evil comments against you falsely for my sake. In other words, they'll be using a lot of colorful metaphors. Can I say that? <laughs> okay? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> okay? And you know, sometimes that can really rile you when people speak really bad things and, and use bad language. 
You know what I'm trying to say? And he's saying, listen, just let it go. They don't understand what they're doing. Don't take things personally. Amen? Uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's something I've got to remind myself. You know, uh, and we have to stay on God constantly. Just always remember, if you're doing what God has called you to do, regardless of what you know, opposition comes against you, understand that it's because you're doing the right thing, man. Amen? And, and just smile and move on. <laughs> okay. The parallel account in Luke chapter 6 and verse 22 has Jesus saying, Blessed are you when men hate you. Oh, it's, it's very strong, isn't it? And he says, And revile you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. So before we look at these verses, let's notice the parallels between them. Firstly, both, uh, in both Matthew and Luke, we find Jesus using the exact same phrase, revile you. All right, So we see that first. I'm just going to break this down for you very quickly. And uh, when he effectively says, blessed are you when men revile you. Next, the phrases persecute you in Matthew and hate you, exclude you and exclude you in Luke are closely connected to each other. All right, so in persecuting you, Matthew says persecuting you, and Luke says they're going to hate you and exclude you, is what he's talking about. All right, um, and uh, as are the phrases now, say all manner of evil against you in Matthew, and cast out your name as evil in Luke. So there are all the parallels. So just to get an idea where this is coming from. Uh, and again, remember, because Matthew recorded a certain way, and he was writing to the Jews, and Luke was writing to the Gentiles. Um, they, they each put it in a way that each group could relate to it. Amen? Okay. Of utmost importance in all this is that from Matthew's account especially, although Luke alludes to it, all the accusations are meant to be false. Did you get that? Meaning that there is not meant to be any truth whatsoever in what they say. Okay? So you need to be careful that you know, if people are saying something and caught you out in something and then you know, they're, they're, they're persecuting you for the sake because they have found something wrong, you need, to, you need to repent and move on from that one. So we have to be careful of those things as well. People get super spiritual otherwise. You know. And of equal importance is also the fact that all this persecution and false accusations are meant to be for Jesus' sake alone and nothing else. That's another huge key. Did you get that? It's when you're doing some kind of ministry. Okay? And you're being persecuted for His sake. Amen? Alright. Accordingly, Leon Morris explains that people may suffer for doing evil. But such suffering is punishment, not persecution. As brought out in Proverbs chapter 13 uh, and verse 15, which says that the way of the transgressor is hard. Alright. However, when it comes to doing good... Even if things get difficult along the way, the Apostle Paul encourages, encourages us in Galatians 6.9 and says that, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Amen? Now that, that is a, you know, let me stop just for a second. It is easy to grow weary in well-doing. You know, sometimes you're just doing the right thing and doing the right thing and you just feel like you're not making any progress whatsoever. And that's why the Apostle Paul is saying, listen... There are going to be times when you are going to be, you know, just doing everything you know right, that you know to do, you know, that is right, and still nothing is happening. And, you know, you really get tempted to sort of say, can I just not do this anymore? <laughs> okay? And he says, listen, don't grow weary in well-doing. Because notice he goes on to say, in due season. 
understand that there is a due season for everything that you do good, there is a due season coming your way. There is a season. Do you understand the season? It doesn't mean a day. It's a season. Okay? That for a whole period of time you'll be blessed. Now the idea is if you didn't stop. See, this is another thing. You know, Ecclesiastes tells us that you know, as you cast your bread in the water, after many days it will come back to you. And a lot of times people cross the bread in the water and they go, ah, nothing's coming back and they stop. And then start, things start coming back. And they go, oh wow, things are starting to come back. So they start cast the bread in the water again. Except now there was a gap, see? And so because the gap's there, there's a gap in when things start coming. And then they stop again. And you think, well, what is this? Uh, go check on where you stop giving. Because <laughs> you know? wherever that period was, that's this nothing's coming back because nothing was thrown at that period of time. Because after many days, it'll start coming back. Do you understand? That's why he says, don't grow weary in well-doing. Because if you keep casting your bread on the water, I'm, I'm joining two scriptures here, just to give you a picture. If you keep doing it, once it starts coming back, it won't stop. Because you never stop sending it out. Okay. Obviously, the reason that we grow weary while doing good is because of all the persecution that often accompanies it. In the form of being reviled, hated, excluded, spoken of badly, and having your name dishonored as brought out by combining both Matthew's and, and Luke's account. Okay? An example of this is seen in John 8.48. Where after Jesus performed miracle after miracle, healed multitudes and taught the most awe-inspiring messages, it says, Then the Jews answered and said to him, Do we not say right that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? He does all of this good and that's what they say to him. You're a Samaritan and you have a demon. Sound like the person that's got it is saying it. (laughs) Let me just say this. People that make statements like that usually are the ones that are being inspired by demons. Amen. If you are being inspired by God, you do what Philippians 4.8 says. Think on these things. Whatever is good. Whatever is lovely. Whatever is a good report. You know, it's one thing, and let me just say this, it's one thing to look at something from a point of view, you're not judging it. You're just making an observation. All right? And you can, you, know, you can look at something and go, gee, you know, I wonder if that person's saved. Because some of the things that they do, it's like, wow. But I'm not hating that person. I'm just observing that I have a few questions about that individual. Now, there, there might be a different person that says, oh, I don't think that person's saved at all. I mean, he's just a, you know, rah, 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 rah. Now, there's a difference between what I said and what this other person said. But this other eye said, <laughs> okay? This eye over here was making an observation. This eye over here is judging. We're saying similar things, but the attitude behind it is totally different. God's okay with one, but not the other. Get it? Okay. All right, let's move on. Even after he answers them and proves that there was absolutely no truth in what they said, Their response was far from remorseful, with verse 59 going to say, and then they took up stones to throw at him. Okay, But Jesus hid himself and went out the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. This is a a miraculous thing. Can I just say, some people just think that he just somehow walked out of there when they were ready to stone him. I don't think so. These are the same people that stoned Stephen. They didn't care that he was a godly man or anything. They just want to stone him. They stoned him. Okay? I'm going to suggest to you here something. I believe. Notice how it says Jesus hid himself. 
in the King James, it actually says he hid in himself. All right? And the difference is, because I don't think Jesus is like, oh, I need to go hide under some, you know, kind of playing hide and seek with the crowd. I don't see Jesus doing that. This is God Almighty. You know, the one that stood in the Mount of Transfiguration and said, check this out, okay? And his face shone like the sun in its, all of its strength. You know what I'm trying to say? I mean, he was... He, he, if he could do that, as far as I'm concerned, if he wanted to disappear right in the, <laughs> in the middle of a crowd and just walk out because nobody could see him, the invisible man. You know what I'm trying to say? I reckon he did just that. If the man can walk on water, he can do this. So I just believe that's what he did. Why am I saying all of that? Because Jesus said, and greater works than these shall you do. Amen. Let's find out the works he did first. Yeah, Let's acknowledge them. Not try to push them aside. Because there are things that God's saying, regardless of what kind of trouble you get in, there's a way out. Amen. Okay, just want to point that out. <clears throat> and that's exactly what we too can expect from demonic opposition, with Jesus saying in uh, John 15 and 20, when he says, Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. All right, <laughs> all that can be very disheartening and why the Full Life Study Bible says Christians must beware of the temptation to compromise God's will in order to avoid shame, ridicule, embarrassment or loss. Because according to Jesus himself, a blessing is promised and therefore on its way. As long as we don't become weary. Amen. In fact, Leon Morris in his commentary says that those who undergo persecution for God's cause and not for any fault of their own receive a blessing like that for the poor in spirit. And it is given in exactly the same words, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. There is the same underlying attitude and the same ultimate reward. Praise God. One of the best examples in the New Testament of being persecuted for righteousness sake and receiving the kingdom of heaven as a reward is the story of Stephen. We talked about that. He was literally persecuted for preaching Christ. We pick up the story in Acts chapter 7. <coughs> we'll just go through it quickly. When he is falsely accused. Can we agree on that? He was falsely accused. Amen. And brought before the Jewish high priest who also rejects Christ with him saying in verses 51 through 53, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and years. You always, the reason he says uncircumcised in heart and years, see, they were circumcised on the outside. Do you understand? This is a really key thing because we are beginning to see something now that the early church began to understand that outward circumcision didn't mean anything at all. Following the death of Jesus on the cross, once a price was paid, understand that circumcision was a sign to say that you were one of God's. Okay? One of God's people. And what he's saying now is it's no longer an outward thing. Now it's an inward thing. And he's saying, listen, you want to be known as one of God's people. Remember the Apostle Paul said, those that are led by the Spirit, they are the children of God. They're the sons of God. Amen? And the daughters of God. So, whole new thing is coming here. And these Jews who were very proud of their circumcision are now being told off that it doesn't mean anything. And he's saying to them now, the thing that matters is your ears, is your heart. Amen? So we just need to get that. 
He says, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Verse 52. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? Wow. And they killed those uh, who foretold the coming of the just one, referring to Christ, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers. Wow. (laughs) Verse 53. Who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. He said, you got this and you didn't keep it. They were so proud that they had the law. Stephen saying, yeah, but you never kept it. Amen. All right. Needless to say, this didn't go down at, <laughs> with verses 54 through 60. And when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. Verse 55. And he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. I would love to preach on all this, but I think you've heard it enough. Okay. Gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. I just want you to notice one thing in verse 55. He was full of the Holy Spirit. This is the strength that you get in difficult times. Always look for that strength. That is being strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Amen? Verse 56. And said, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at Him with one accord. Wow. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. All right? That's being persecuted for righteousness sake. And the witnesses laid down their clothes by the feet of a young man named Saul. You know who that is. Verse 59. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling out on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Do you understand that he didn't hold it against them, which then God said they're not going to have the satisfaction of killing you. Right in the middle of being attacked, he forgave them, which allowed God to do something miraculous, and that is just put him to sleep. What an outstanding man of God, instead of seeking revenge and demanding justice, his final words were, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And because he was, in fact, persecuted for righteousness' sake, heaven itself opened up and Jesus himself welcomed him in. Remember again, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, this does not mean that we are to go looking for persecution. Hello. (laughs) Some people do. Nor behave in a manner that attracts or perhaps warrants persecution. There are some people that just do that. Them feeling important is somebody attacking them. If somebody doesn't attack them, they're kind of worried. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Don't become one of those people. Okay, amen. All right. If things are going well, but praise God. Hallelujah. All right. Amen. So, I've said here, because Jesus did say in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 16, Behold, I send you as sheep in the midst of wolves, and he didn't stop there. Aren't you glad he didn't stop there? Okay, others that would have been curtains for us. He says, therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Can I say this? If you're wise as a serpent, you can outfox the wolves. Amen. Because remember, it was a serpent that took down man in his highest form. Are you all with me? Isn't it interesting that Jesus uses that terminology and says, Be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. Amen? Amen. Okay, however, in those times when we are persecuted through no fault of our own, then Jesus says, We will be blessed. All right? What's interesting about Matthew 5... um, Verses 10 and 11, and the parallel account in Luke 6.22 is that it was totally contrary to what the Jews believed. 
In fact, biblical scholar William Hendrickson says that this teaching must have been a shock to the Jews because it was a rather common idea among the Jews that all suffering, including persecution, was an indication of God's displeasure and of the special wickedness of the one thus afflicted. Christ here reverses this view, but only with respect to those who endure persecution for the sake of righteousness and himself. All right? He says, for my sake. So whenever you suffer for righteousness' sake, know that you are in good company. Amen? In fact, um, we're going to look at Hebrews, and it actually talks about all of those people that were persecuted for righteousness' sake. So can I just quickly read through that? Is that all right? All right. I want to preach on this stuff, but I promise you I'll get through this as quickly as possible. So that's what I'm trying to do. Okay. (laughs) I do need to make a point here. Just one second. All right. Uh, One of the things that... Remember when um, John's parents... Remember how Elizabeth hadn't had a child? Do you know they were persecuting her for that? Because they would have been going around saying, Well, what did you do wrong? Obviously you did something wrong that you guys can't have a kid. That's how they were with people. And that's, that's the reason why it was foreign to the Jews what Jesus was saying. You see, they had the belief that a lot of Christians have today, and that is, if you do everything right everything go, it will go right for you. If something is going wrong for you, what did you do wrong? I've told you this before, I'll say it again, for the sake of this lesson, and that is you need to check and see, are you in a storm because you're a Jonah, or because you're a Jesus? If you're a Jonah, means you did something wrong. <laughs> okay, Repent, get over it, and get back with God. If you're Jesus, then rebuke the storm and shut it down. By the way, if you're a Jonah in the New Testament, once you repent, you can rebuke the storm and shut it down as well. Amen. Because you just went from being Jonah to Jesus at that point. Okay? All right. Amen. All right. Let's move on to this. <laughs> Let me read some verses. In Hebrews chapter 11, after describing some extraordinary feats of faith by ordinary men and women, the writer concludes in verses 32 through 38 by saying, well, how much more do I need to say? Which is the reason he says that. He says it would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, Daniel, Samuel, and all the prophets. Verse 33, by faith these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them. They shut the mounts of lions. You know who that is, okay? (coughs) Excuse me. Verse 34, quenched the flames of fire. I always remember Jesse Duplantis' version. Your shek, my shek, and a bungalow, you know? It's Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, by the way. Just so you know, I know who they are. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Quench the flames of fire. Escape death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle. Put whole armies to flight. 35, verse 35. Women received their loved ones back again from, from death. But others trusted God and were tortured, preferring to die rather than turn from God and be free. Remember again, we're talking Old Testament, okay? They placed their hope in the resurrection to a better life. Some, I mean, verse 36, some were mocked and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in dungeons. Some died by stoning and some were sawed in half. Others were killed by the sword. These are not good things, by the way, all right? Some went about in skins of sheep and goats, hungry and oppressed and mistreated. I love what this says. They were too good for this world. 
Amen. It didn't say that, oh yes, they suffered for God because God wanted them to suffer. That's not how it ends. It says they were too good for this world, which means they had a reward waiting for them. And you know, the world didn't deserve them, but they still came here. They did their job. They were mistreated, but they continued doing. They did not grow weary in well-doing. Amen? Amen. Now, just to be clear about where most of this particular kind of persecution actually came from, when Jesus was challenged by teachers of the law and chief priests in Luke chapter 20, it says in verses 9 through 16, all right? He says, beginning verse 9, He went on to tell the people this parable. A man, referring to God, planted a vineyard, referring to the Jewish nation as a whole. I'll go through this when we get to Luke 20, okay, properly. This is the real quick version. Okay? See, I can teach it quick if I need, but you all won't get much of it. Anyway, he says again, a man, referring to God, planted a vineyard, referring to the Jewish nation as a whole, rented it to some farmers, referring to the Jewish leaders, and went away for a long time. Verse 10. At harvest time, he sent a servant, <coughs> excuse me, referring to the prophets of God, to the tenants, that's the Jewish leaders, so they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. Okay? Those are the converts. All right? But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Verse 11. See, Jesus is... Uh, let me just give you a bit of background here. The Jewish leaders have been attacking Jesus. We're going to find out when we get to this time, all right, that they have just been ruthless in their attacks. And Jesus goes from telling them things plainly to parables, so they don't understand what's actually going on until the end. And then they're going to realize... Because by doing this, by telling stories... He's, he's finally got them to a place where they can't argue with everything he says because they don't get what he's saying anymore. Those that have ears, let him hear. Do you know what I'm trying to say? They didn't have ears, so they're not hearing what's actually going on. Okay? But he, <laughs> they'll know at the end. <laughs> and so what he's getting them to do is, because it's a story, he's getting them to nod as he's going along. They're going, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, that's exactly right. This is exactly, okay? this is exactly what Nathan... Thank you, Leo. Said to David, you know, when he went in, because he's the king. You know, king get upset, cut, cut your head off. Then think twice, you know what I'm trying to say? Okay, goes in and tells him, let me tell you a story, king. And he goes, yeah, sure, I'm always good for a story. And he says, uh, I'm adding things. All right, and he says, listen, there's this guy, okay? He has lots of sheep. He goes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he goes, and there's this one guy, he got one little sheep. Calls him a new lamb, okay? One little sheep, you know, little baby sheep, loved him, cared for him. And then this guy with all of his sheep, remember David had lots of, okay? And he says, comes in and takes this man's little sheep away from him. He goes, What would you do to somebody like that? He goes, Well, bless God, I'm gonna kill him and cut him up. He goes, By the way, that's you. <laughs> oh, okay. That's what Jesus is doing to these guys. He's going to tell them stories. And they're going to be nodding all the way to the end. And then they're going to go, he is talking about us. Alright, so let's keep going. Verse 11. Then he sent another servant. But that one also, they beat and mistreated shamefully and sent away empty-handed. Do you understand now we're talking about all the prophets, okay? Alright. He he, uh, sent still a third. And they wounded him and threw him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, what shall I do? I, I know, I will send my son whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. Are you getting this now? Okay. But when the tenants saw him, they, they talked the matter over. This is the heir. They said, let's kill him. And the inheritance will be ours. 
Okay, so Jesus is making reference to all the systems that the Jewish leaders had in place designed to rob the common Jews and all the Gentile converts blind, okay? And they didn't want to give it up, which is what the cleansing of the temple in John chapter 2, verses 14 through 16 was all about, by the way, okay? Verse 15. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. This is the crucifixion, all right? What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. This is referring to the, uh, the coming church age and the gospel being given to every nation, not just the Jews. Okay? When the people heard this, they said, may this never be. Verse 19, And the chief priests and scribes that very hour sought to lay hands on him, but they feared the people, for they knew he had spoken this parable against them. Get it? They figured it out at the end. Alright? Therefore, referring to this type of persecution, and all the other kinds already mentioned, the Apostle Paul, writing to Timothy, says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, Indeed, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Let's stop there. Great place to stop. But <laughs> let's take a break. And we'll come back and we'll continue on from that point.